Hey everybody, George Robson here, Worship Arts Pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. Let's pray before we begin this morning with the sermon. God, we thank you and praise you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit, which is your presence, Lord. We thank you that you are ruler of everyone and everything. We thank you, as it says in Isaiah, that all authority is yours. So God, we love you. I pray, Lord, that my words this morning would be your words and that you would just speak into the hearts of each one of us, myself included, the nuggets of your truth, Lord, that you would have us chew on this week, Lord, that you would have us change in our lives. God, we love you. In your holy and precious name, amen. I know it says that we're going to do another scripture reading, but we're going to do lots of scripture reading, and we're going to save the Ephesians one for the end this morning. Hopefully you all got the handout of the scripture. I have been reading this book called Words from the Hill, An Invitation to the Unexpected by Stu Garrard. And it's basically one, uh, each chapter is a piece of the Sermon on the Mount. And most recently, around Christmas time, I read the chapter on Matthew 5, 9 that says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And as I finished the chapter, I was really kind of convict not kind of, I was convicted and curious about what it really means to be a peacemaker. And I looked up every single scripture with peace or peacemaker in it. But before we jump into that, I want to focus on the last part. They will be called children of God. You know, I think so often when we think of the word kids, we think of young people, right? But the truth is, we're all children. We all had um, a mother and father who had us. Whether they are still here on this earth, they are our parents, for better or for worse, right? And as a kid, you are under the authority of your parent, again, for better or for worse. Kids are fearless, and kids often make peace quickly. I told the first hour as a teacher for 16 years, and let me say that I saw a lot of squabbles on the playground, but that did not then ruin the friendship. They were able to come back together and maintain the friendship. But this is not talking about us as kids specifically. It's talking about us as children of God. So, but the same thing applies. That's any age, and we just shift it. We're under the authority of God, and I think we can take out the for better or for worse part. We can get rid of the worse, right? It is always for good. And with God, we are to be fearless, and you're going to see as we dive in this morning with God, we are to make peace. So first, just a reminder of where we touch base in Isaiah, it says that all authority rests on God's shoulders. And the four names of God that we learn here are Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And you're going to see how all four of those names of God come into play as we explore peace this morning. And it says in that scripture that Jesus came for endless peace. What he started in the garden, 
He plans to finish in the garden of heaven. He plans to bring endless peace. And that involves a whole lot of justice and righteousness. And you're going to see that a lot of the scripture that talks about peace also talks about justice and righteousness. And a definition of righteousness that I like that I actually found in this book is everything as it should be. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 is another key piece on peace, a key verse on peace and foundational before we move on. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, him being Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus came so that we could be reconciled, so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our bad choices. He sees his son or daughter. He sees his beloved, and he loves us. If we don't believe that, then we're not believing the whole point of Jesus. And then Psalm 29, 10 through 11 The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So as I already said in Isaiah, all authority is God's. And it is hard to chew the reality that the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Floods bring destruction right? But if we can't believe that God is in charge of even our most horrifying moments, then what hope and peace can we hope to have? If we can't believe that he is working everything for his good and glory, then we will not have peace. He is king. He gives strength to his people. Going back to the names of God, he is mighty God. And I love the last part. He wants to bless us with his peace, despite the flood, despite the virus, despite. He wants to bless us with his peace. So again, I feel like those scriptures on peace are foundational for us to believe before we investigate what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Because that's the part of the chapter that really got me. The author, Stu, made a distinction between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. This is from his book. Peacemakers see a need and respond to what is in front of them by doing what they can to help. They see conflict, and instead of ignoring it or stuffing it or pretending it isn't even there, they move toward it. Peacekeepers stay back. They stand behind the walls. They walk on eggshells, and they avoid interacting with people who think differently than them or people whom they think will cause an explosion. All they ever get is what they currently have. They are not moving toward a better future. That's where I was like, okay, 
think I like to be a peacekeeper. I like to avoid conflict. And so that's really what started my journey on looking at scripture and what, God, what does God say about peace. I first asked my husband, who knows Greek, what is peacemakers in the original Greek? And it best translates as peace poets, which I thought was beautiful. Because, of course, if you are a poet, you are creating. So a peacemaker is a creator of peace. But still, this idea of, okay, I want a better future, but I have to move toward conflict. Normally, I like to land in one chunk, but like I said, we're going to take a journey on the scriptures of peace. And I have been doing a lot of praying as to which ones God wanted me to narrow it down to so we weren't here all morning. The first one is Psalm 34, 11 through 14. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So back up in verse 11, again, this reminder that we are God's children. And the first thing that he commands us to do is to listen to him. And I want to tell you, anything God says is going to be peace. He, in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, we are told that God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. The one thing also that he says specifically that he wants us to hear and wants us to learn, he wants us to learn the fear of the Lord. The older we get, we learn more fears, right? And some of those are good and healthy and others are not. And the one fear that God wants us to remember is to fear him, to take it all to him. Verse 12, which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? That's kind of, that's that idea, right, of moving toward a better future. Verse 13 is pretty self-explanatory. Watch what you say. 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. These are not passive verbs. These are active verbs. We are to seek peace and pursue it. And when I think of the word pursue, I think of run after, right? Like an animal hunting another animal. It's not sitting on the couch. It is pursuing. And this scripture, Psalm 34, is quoted again in 1 Peter chapter 3. So it's just a super, I believe, an important foundational scripture for this idea of an active peace. 2 Timothy 2.22 tells us similarly, shun youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So surround yourselves with other people who love God and together pursue God, right? Because God is righteous. God is faith. He is love. He is peace. But again, that's an active. It doesn't say Be righteous, be faithful, and not that any of that is wrong, but there is a part that we have to do. Psalm 85, 8 through 10. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. 
Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. So again, first and foremost, we want to listen to God. And what he speaks to us is peace. Now that doesn't mean kind of like Jonah, where we might not be like, oh, excuse me, God, you want me to do what? No, thank you. Right? But the truth is, even Jonah knew in his heart of hearts, he had peace, whether he wanted to do it or not, about the fact that that was God's voice and that was what God was telling him to do. And again, we have this reminder in verse 9 that we are all to only fear the Lord that everything is to come first and foremost from him and that everything ultimately is for his glory. It's not about us. Verse 10, steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. In my Bible, these are joined with a semicolon, which means two sentences that are closely related. So steadfast love and faithfulness can be switched out with righteousness and peace. And I think no one would disagree that in order for peace to be a thing, love, faithfulness, and righteousness are going to be a part. Because God is our steadfast love, we can love others. Because God is faithful to us, we can be faithful to others. Because God is righteous, we are righteous. Remember, that's the work Jesus did on the cross. He wiped away our sin. God sees us as his beloved. And because God is our prince of peace, we can be peace to others. And I just love the imagery, righteousness. So again, everything as it should be, which is is following God's law, right? And what's God's main law? He makes it simple. It's simple and it's complicated as all get out to love him and to love others. It says that that righteousness and peace will kiss each other. And this was not written in the age of virtual kisses. Okay, this was a literal coming together imagery here. Proverbs 12, 20, deceit is in the mind of those who plan evil, but those who counsel peace have joy. In Isaiah, who is God? Our wonderful counselor, right? And he wants us always to counsel first and foremost with him. I've shared in previous sermons, and I told the first hour And I'm sure you can relate. There are times when I am either super angry or super upset about something, sad, whatever. And instead of talking to God, I will phone a friend. And sometimes that friend won't even answer their phone. I'm like, okay, God, I know I should talk to you about it. Or sometimes the friend answers and I gripe and just get it all out. But then I really don't feel any better until I've taken it to God because he is our wonderful counselor, first and foremost. And again, counseling is an active verb. It is a conversation, right, between two people. Isaiah 26, 3. 
Those of steadfast mind you keep in peace, in peace because they trust in you. Or because we trust in God, because we counsel with God, then we can be of a steadfast mind and kept in peace. He does not wish chaos or disorder or overwhelming fear for his children. Or as Megan said in the 11 o'clock, worry. That's not what he wishes for us. He wants to bless us with peace. Isaiah 54 is the eternal covenant of peace. I'm not going to read it all. But again, it points out that the end goal is for all of creation to be again at peace with God. And so we've seen all these active verse, seek peace, pursue it, peace and righteousness will kiss, counsel peace, trust in peace. There was also, in case that didn't convince you, lots of imagery of peace and feet. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And what I feel like God literally told me right away is, it would have made just as much sense to say, how beautiful upon the mountains is the mouth of the messenger who announces feet, not feet, (laughs) of the messenger who announces peace. But the word chosen is feet, because again, there is an idea of moving toward or of coming together. And I love the beauty, a reminder here. God's saying it can be as simple as looking someone in the eye who's having a hard time Acknowledging, I know it's really yucky right now. How can I help you continue to trust and believe that God reigns? That the same God who is ruler over our greatest joy is ruler over our greatest horror. Luke 1, 78 through 79 is Zechariah's prophecy of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came to tell of Jesus' arrival. It says, By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So again, the imagery of our feet taking us in to peace. Jesus came to be our light so that we don't have to sit in darkness. We do not have to fear death or live in the shadow of someone who has died. And instead, when, we, when we're in those moments, we can keep going again and again to God until we have that peace. We can say to God, I don't get it right now. I am so upset. I am anything but peaceful. But God, help me. Because you promised me that you are my prince of peace and that you are my wonderful counselor. And I want that and I want to believe that, but I don't right now. So what does that look like, right? What's our application in moving toward? You know, sometimes we think it has to be this grand thing, like we go to a war-torn country, 
I don't know. I don't know what God is saying to each one of you. But I do know often for me, peacemaking is a lot closer to home. And sometimes it's really subtle. I was saying like often in our marriage, Joey and I have to catch each other because, you know, we've survived the day, we've put the kids in bed. I go read my book, he goes to read his book, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. But if we do that night after night after night after night, then there is no coming together. And the truth is there's a wall there. And the truth is we both know in our heart of hearts that's not what a relationship is to be. That's not peace. Because again, peacemaking is always a coming toward. Maybe it's a family member. I, have, I love my siblings. There are four of us. Maybe it's someone even immediate. Like I can think of many family members where you watch a choice they're making and you're like, that's not my sister or that's not my brother. And that's not what I want for them because I love them. And it's easier though, especially with family, I would argue, to keep the peace, to not say anything because you don't want the explosion. You don't want that person to potentially not talk to you for who knows how long. But yet, in keeping peace, there really truly is no peace. Maybe it's a coworker. I think we can all think of someone that the truth is we're being nudged to make peace, but maybe we haven't had that courage to do so. Romans 12, 18 does give us a little caveat. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I wish I could look you all in the eye and say, if God tells you to go be a peacemaker, it'll all be great. But that's not always the case, right? Sometimes it's still ugly. But I believe when we've gone in obedience as God tells us to do, then despite how ugly it might still be, we have a peace because we know we did our part as long as what we did was done in love and said in love. So James 3, 17 through 18 is kind of, I feel like, a good summary, again, of the how. But the wisdom from above is first pure. God's not going to tell you anything that creates disorder and chaos in your life. And then in that peacemaking, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, It is not about going and convincing someone until you're both blue in the face to take your side of an argument. That's not peacemaking. Peacemaking is how can we agree to disagree and still love one another? Peacemaking is full of mercy and good fruits. The fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. I'll tell you, as a mom... I struggle with that one. Three boys. They provoke me a lot, and I have to really work on my anger. And sometimes I don't work well on it. And I'm the explosion instead of the peacemaker. We are also supposed to make peace without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. If we go to someone and we're 
saying, hey, like I'm really concerned about this choice, but yet we're making that same choice, then hello? And I think often something that we see in someone else, and this is in scripture too, is actually usually something we're wrestling with. And so often the loving thing to do would say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I've seen that you are too. Could we maybe like help each other in that? Because peacemaking is not judgment, it's love. And we're told that in Romans 14, 13 through 19. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. That's why so often so many questions are not black and white. Because the fundamental question is, God, what does love look like for this person? Right? And like right now, what I can think of is sometimes love looks like you wear your mask. Sometimes love looks like you don't have to. It's not about whether or not you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. It is about that person and that relationship. And the fact that, again, it's because God loves us, so we are to be love to others. And it says in that scripture, the kingdom of God is not about food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The one who serves Christ is acceptable to God and has human approval. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. I'm going to read one more chunk of words from the hill because I think it hits what mutual upbuilding looks like really beautifully. Shalom. The peace of which Jesus speaks is not simply the absence of conflict. Dagnabbit, right? I really would like it to be that. Shalom peace is everything as it should be. Righteousness. Everything in its place. A delicate and intricate interdependence, which is to say, in order for me to be fully me, I need you to be fully you. If I am diminished, you are diminished. And if you are diminished, then I am diminished. Shalom is the presence of mutual flourishing, a resounding peace in which everything is in its right place. What we desire for ourselves is what we desire for others, no matter the differences. Amen? Okay, last question and point. First of all, how many of you had to share a room when you were little? Anybody? Okay, anybody have to also share a bed? Me. With my sister. And again, there was a lot of um, scuffling, but peacemaking as we fought for whose side of the bed. And at one point, we literally did the whole string down the middle so that she could see her side and I could see my side. But here's the problem. You leave that string up too long. Sorry, I did this the first hour too. I love my sister so much, makes me cry. If you leave that string up too long, it becomes me versus her as opposed to me and her, right? And the last point 
is Ephesians 2, 13 through 18, which tells us God's peace is for all. It cannot be us versus them. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. And he might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. Amen? So I'm going to flip the Sermon on the Mount sentence. We are children of God. Therefore, we are to be peacemakers. We are to seek peace and pursue peace. We are to ask God, God, what does it look like to move toward a better future? Who do you need me to stop being a peacekeeper with and instead be a peacemaker? And again, remember, we need to check ourselves. Peacemaking is always done in love. And the beauty, even if you mess that up, you can go back and ask for forgiveness, right? And if ever somebody doesn't forgive you, God does. He doesn't hold anything against us. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, again, you are our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father. Lord, we are under your authority. You're ruler of everyone and everything. You are Prince of Peace. God, I just pray for each person here whenever the mind starts swirling with confusion and chaos and just whatever it is, God, instead of just that calming peace of your presence, Lord, that we would take that to you. God, that we would seek and after you first and foremost until we have peace such that we can then be peace to one another, God. And I pray then when we are being called to be a peacemaker and to move towards someone, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the courage to do so. God, that we would move forward always in love and forgiveness so that everything can be, Lord, as you would have it be. God, we thank you for this time. And again, just I pray for each one of us that you would just tell us what it is, how you would have us take your word that has been shared this morning and mold it into our lives this week. We love you, God. Amen. 
We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, OceanGroveChurch.com. And you can contact us via email at OceanGroveChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.